Welcome to Crime Shots. I'm Bree. And I'm Joe. And we had COVID. And COVID sucks. And I didn't have COVID. I tested negative. Yeah, well, we. Me and I just Nikki. had all of the same symptoms you and Nikki had. God. It sucked. <laughs> long term yeah. sucked. Like, I, I couldn't believe how long it lasted. Well, I'm still, I still have, like, major congestion. Yep. And if you hear me coughing, that's why. Because yeah. it's still there. There's still I'll crap try in to, your lungs. It's crazy. I'll try to cut out all your coughs. Okay. I have to cut out mine. I'll try to, but we know how that goes. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't <laughs> think, we? Yeah. So, okay. I'm supposed to ask if there are any updates, and of course we know that there are updates. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think we're going to talk about them now. I think we're going to wait and release an update episode. Okay. Once the DNA test results and stuff come back. Okay. And there's an official statement from law enforcement, I think, is when we'll release. Does that sound good to you? Sounds good. Okay. So, unlike our previous episodes that we do about uh, either a victim or a serial killer. This one is about an individual location. Yep. So, obviously, we've heard of notorious places like um, London's East End, which is noted for being, like, the location of Jack the Ripper, and then, like, Salem Village for the witch trials. And then we have Texas Texas Killing killing Fields. Yep. (laughs) Uh, this is not about the Texas Killing Fields. <laughs> we will do that. Yeah, I know. Um, so this is Fort Hood. Fort freaking Hood. I gotta be honest, I was hesitant discussing Fort Hood. You afraid they're gonna make you disappear? I mean, they totally could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's not sure. what I was afraid of, but now that you say that, now I'm afraid of that. <laughs> But, no, it's just, like, it's, like, when you talk about it, people automatically are going to think that, like, I have no respect for the troops and stuff like that. Of course not. That's not at all what we're talking about. I mean, let's start by, go ahead and tell everybody where Fort Hoodie is and what the, what the allure is. Okay. This story. Okay, so Fort Hood is a United States Army post in Killeen, Texas. Yep. Colleen's about 70 miles north of Austin. As I always do, Colleen's known for, surprise, surprise, the Fort Hood military base. What's it known as? Fort Fort Hoodville? No. Just... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it just says... I mean, it's just the Fort Hood mil- military base. It's not... I mean, they don't have, like, you know, mushrooms or cactuses or something. It's just... And for just a regular old town with a big yeah. fort in the middle of it. Fort Hood is the headquarters of three core and first army division West. So if I'm not saying that right, maybe I should type it differently. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't know any better. Well, I'll describe it. So it, it just says three core was founded in 1918 as part of the United States Army Forces Command. It includes 1st Infantry Division, 1st Cavalry Division, 1st Armored Division, and 1st Medical Brigade. Mm. And today, it consists of around 90,000 soldiers spread across the country. So the 1st Army Division West is active as of 2007. And that provides training and readiness oversight and mobilization operations for an area of responsibility spanning the states and territories west of the Mississippi River. So that's Division West. I guess there's a Division Hmm. East. I don't know. I would assume so. The question is, is there a Division Middle? Ooh. Maybe since it's the Mississippi River divides it, maybe it's Division River. Ah, that'd be weird. Oh, but middle would be fine. <laughs> right, right, <Okay>. right. <clears throat> Fort Hood was actually built in 1942. I had to use a calculator to mm-hmm. figure out acreage. 
Don't laugh at me. It's 332 square miles, which converts to 212,000 acres. Yeah, that's a lot. It's big. According to Google, it is the most populated U.S. military installation in the world. Really? That's what Google says. I didn't know it was a big deal. Google, I, I mean, Google I knew has it was betrayed a base. me. I didn't realize it was a. Yeah, oh, Google has betrayed past? me in the past. So we'll see. Yep. We'll see if someone comes up and says, no, that's not right. Okay. Most people are familiar with Fort Hood due to the most recent events involving the death of a soldier, which we will get into that. What people may not know is that there have been numerous things happen at this military base. And while everything from criminal activity to deaths and just accidents in general, all the way back to 1942. It seems sketchy, but I guess if he, you know, it never crossed my mind before, but I guess if this is really that populated of a military base, it doesn't shock me that, you know, the most crazy stuff on military bases is going to happen there. I mean, I realize it was crazy, but it, I guess it's like saying there's a lot of murders in Houston. Well, Houston's huge, so it's not shocking. Well, it's the same way with the Texas Killing Fields. Now, but... it's the Texas Killing Fields because it's a ridiculously right. long stretch of land. Massive. <laughs> off on a major highway. Right. So in 1942, there were 300 families that were moved out of their homes so they could demolish it and make room for the base. Nice. During the Cold War, many of the military divisions were sent to Fort Hood when they got back from Europe, and then afterwards, Fort Hood continued to function as a training center. Gotcha. Was that purchased under eminent domain? Yes. Yeah, you're talking about the 300 families that were moved? Yes. Yeah, they were like, hey, we're taking this. Bye. Exactly. And they just tore all their houses down. I mean, they paid them for it, but I'm sure it was nothing near what they wanted. No. Nothing near what they wanted. Um, And then this is 1942, so it's, you know. Right. Can't even imagine the difference. Mm. I feel like mom would be very upset with me if I didn't mention this, although it's has no relation to any of the criminal activity we're going to talk about. Okay. On March 28, 1958, Elvis Presley arrived at the base for his training after being drafted to, during the Korean War. Oh, wow. He was stationed in Germany, which is where he met Priscilla, who was 14 years old at the time, hmm. and completed his two years, and then he was discharged. So that's... You know, Elvis. That's how he ended up. He So he passed through Fort Hood. If you don't know who Elvis Presley is... Mm-hmm. We, sorry. <laughs> we can't help you. <laughs> so then in the 60s, Fort Hood <laughs> supplied a large amount of units for duty in the Vietnam War. Yeah. In the late 60s, it began to grow. They built hospitals one of which opened in 1965 called Darnall Hospital, which is still open on the base. Mm-hmm. So that got me thinking, and I tried to look up each individual amenity available on the base, but it is the most confusing thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> well, it's huge. I mean, this is a city. Yes. Within a military base. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so the base, it's is within gates, right? Right. So there's checkpoints all around Mm -hmm. the the perimeter of the base. However, they list a lot of things throughout Colleen and Copper's Cove as part of the military base, but they're not within the gates. Right. Well, there's the secure area. Right. And then there's parts that aren't aren't necessarily secure, but they're supporting areas, right? Right. So this is what I can tell you based off of their website. There are 14 gated entrances to the base. Mm Mm-hmm. 
There's two commissaries, one exchange, six barbershops, a post office, finance office, legal office, library, and then there's housing. There are 13 villages containing single-family housing and townhomes with various housing sizes from two to five bedrooms, all within the gates. Yeah. Okay. The map looks significantly different from what they explain on their website. So first of all, it shows up on on the map as like a large patch of gray. Right. And even, and I've looked up other military bases and even other ones, they distinguish in color to based off of the landscape. Yeah. This is not. This is just like, you get nothing. You get gray. <laughs> you don't go here, so we're not showing you anything. Right. So when you zoom in, you can actually see the change in road indicating where the gates, the gate entries are on all yeah. sides. So you can see all that. On the north side, there's a training center called Mates Fort Hood. The North Fort Hood Chapel and North Fort Hood USO. That's all on the north side. There's also a couple of shooting ranges on Bald Knob Road and on Range Road. But those those appear to... They, they, it looks like they're not within the gates of the base. Just on the property. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it here. It looks like it's just, I mean, there's a whole area in the middle that's the artillery impact area. I mean, it's just a huge training right. zone. That's Okay, so if you're looking at it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you through this, okay? Mm-hmm. So on the east side is Belton Lake. It all That all appears to be outside well, the Lake gates. Lake Belton, right? Lake Belton. Right. That's yeah. outside of the gates. It's on the property, but outside of the gates. Right. And then when you go into the gates from the east side, there's another gun range. Right? Yeah. Okay. But then it looks like the gates end before you hit the airfield. Hmm. Th- that's what's weird to me because the airport, the airfield obviously is more likely inside the gates. Right. And I, like I said, I'm just, that's based off of what the roads look like. So I don't know if there's like even like more special clearance to get to the airfield. I don't know. But I would imagine that their airfield is within their gates. Well, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just like any other airfield where, I mean, you're going to have to go through your own full range of security just to get through there. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. So on the west side, there's another gun range. And then the rest of that just kind of looks like open land over there. Yeah. Not a whole lot on the west side. Looks like a lot of training ground. Right. The south side's where it's really popping. Right? Yep. Yep. So along Legends Way and Tank Destroyer Boulevard, (laughs) you have TJ Mills Boulevard and Ivy Division Road. And along there, there's a medical center, a Holiday Inn, a Domino's Pizza... Uh, there's another health clinic, another hotel, Jack in the Box, fitness centers, Popeyes. You see all that? Mm-hmm. That's getting into like downtown Colleen. Right. But a lot of that is still within the gates. You can see the difference, like where the road ends going into Colleen. You can see where the gate is. Yeah. And all that stuff, like there's hotels and all that stuff is inside the gates. They fully have an entire town inside the gates of Fort Hood. Alright. So now that you have an idea of the extensity of the base, we'll move on. Okay. I'll have to explain events that happened in history just to explain some things that went down at Fort Hood. Okay? Okay. Because I'm not just going to sit here and be like, well, they didn't want to go and not tell you where they were being sent and why. So what do we got? On April 4th, 1968. Yep. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated in Memphis. 1968. 
April 4th, 1968. So for people who don't know, he was a Baptist minister who became a spokesperson and leader for the civil rights movement. Following his death came the Chicago riots of 1968. Yep. So the riots resulted in 39 deaths and more than $50 million in damages to primarily urban areas. It, everything just got destroyed. During the riots, President Johnson sent in the National Guard and several army units to help control the crowds. Right. It, from what I read, it led to chaos more than anything else. They didn't really control anything. Yeah. Then in August of 68, a large group of soldiers were scheduled to go back to Chicago for the same thing during the Democratic National Convention. There were six African-American troops, which can range between 16 to 60 soldiers per troop. Wait, wait, wait. Just African-American troops? Yeah, well, this was like they were designated the by race. I mean, oh, I guess it, it was the sixties. Yeah, wow. and it didn't say, "Oh, they were designated by race." It flat out said six African American troops. So I would imagine they were probably singled out. Huh. The way crazy. that things were, I would imagine everybody yeah, was probably I didn't think separated. About that. Right. That's that's what time they were in. Right. Okay. So they staged a sit-in on the base to protest their deployment to Chicago. Hmm. They said they were afraid of being put in a situation where they would have to police other black Americans that were in many ways just like they were. Mm-hmm. And I'm so they staged a you. protest, and this was in Fort Hood, I'm assuming. Yes. Basically, all they did was they just all sat down together and told their commanders or whoever, we don't want to go. Right. They, and they talked about it. Like, there wasn't there wasn't fighting, there wasn't all this stuff going back and forth. Like, their, their commanders sat down with them and they all discussed it. Seventeen of the protesters returned to duty. And the rest continued to stand their ground. Okay, that's... So you said 17. So they were, you said up to between six and 60 per troop. So, okay. So there per, were six troops. Right. And the troops can range from 16 to 60 16. soldiers per troop. So up to 360 people is what we're talking about. Yes. And 17 of them went back. And 17 said, okay, were we'll like, go. okay, we're going to go. Yes. Okay. So the ones that, that refused to go were placed in the Fort Hood stockade for failing to report. Mm -hmm. Then over the next few months, they were court-martialed and jailed. Okay. Skip ahead to April of 2007. So we're skipping way ahead. Mm, skipping a long time. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's little stuff that happens there in between, but it's not not we, we there's so much other stuff that happens when on time right april of 2007 a man by the name of lawrence george spratter jr and if i'm saying that wrong i apologize bratter spratter spratter yeah s p r a d e r d e r yeah Sprayer, Sprayer, Sprouter. Yeah, something, something like that. Okay, Sprayer. All right. George Sprayer, Sprayer. Lawrence George Sprayer Jr. Yeah, but everybody called him George. No. Yeah, they did. Shh. <laughs> I didn't tell you that. No, I know. I just nobody goes by Lawrence, so it's it's right. George. And I'm gonna tell you what he's what he went by. George. No. George Jr. George. He, he just went by Junior. Oh, well, or George. Anyway, 
He was reassigned to HHD 11th Military Police Battalion in Fort Hood, Texas. HHD. Yeah, that's what it says. What's that? I don't know. Heavy, heavy duty? <laughs> sure. High, high definition. <laughs> heavy, high definition. <laughs> Maybe. Junior was born July 2nd, 1982 at DeWitt Army Hospital in Virginia. 82? Mm-hmm. So he's 25. Mm-hmm. Okay. Virginia. Okay. His father was Lawrence Sr., and he was a sergeant in the military. And that's why he was born at the Army Hospital. Everybody called him Larry. <laughs> I don't know. In 1985, Lawrence Sr. was reassigned to the Republic of Korea. Mm. So, Jr. attended school there until 1990 when his father was reassigned back to Virginia. Gotcha. And then Jr. graduated from Prince George High School in June of 2000. Okay. And he joined the Army a month later. Well, yeah. Junior's Army service uh, took him to Fort Jackson, South Carolina for basic training, and then Fort Lee, Virginia for advanced individual training as a 92Y supply specialist. Mm. When he completed AIT, he was assigned to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. With the 84th Chemical Battalion from 2001 to 2002. Then he was reassigned to HHC 126th Infantry, 1st Infantry Division, Swinefort, Georgia. And then he was deployed with them on Operation Iraqi Freedom from 2002 to 2005. So, completing his tour in Germany, he was reassigned to Fort Lee, Virginia, and uh, assigned as the unit supply sergeant, and deployed with them to Iraq in 2005. And then he came back in October of of 2006. Which brings us to his assignment in 2007 to Fort Hood. And HHD is Headquarters Detachment. I knew that. Yeah. And the other one, HHC, is Headquarters Company. Yeah, no, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Obviously. you knew that. I just wanted to I tell everybody else. I mean, it makes else. complete sense. Because you didn't want to tell them. I, I figured I'd tell them. I mean, it was kind of obvious. Yeah, I mean, it's either that <laughs> or hybrid hard drive. No. Obviously, that's not it. Yeah. Don't be silly. Yeah. Um, okay, so now he's in Fort Hood. Okay. So, when he arrives in Fort Hood, Junior began the Warrior Leadership Course. Uh-huh. It trains specialists, corporals, and sergeants in the fundamentals of leadership. Based on what I read, it's like a stepping stone to rank up. Right. So, he's basically, he's he's getting on the fast track to becoming an officer. Right. So, he's he's trying to follow in his dad's footsteps. He might have a little help on the way. Well, he, I mean, he's, he's going through it, you know, mm-hmm. he's gone to Iraq twice and I mean, he's working his way up there. Yep. On June 8th, 2007, uh, he was performing land navigation, land navigation, because I didn't know what it was, mm-hmm. is a basic soldier skill. It basically trains a soldier how to navigate without the use of technology. Right. They train within a classroom first. They learn a map reading, how to use a compass. Basically, how to find their way back if all of their technology falters. It's how to not get lost. Right. Or or how to survive, even. Yeah. In the elements. Then... After they learn in classroom, then there's a day course and a night course that's all done in the woods. Mm. So you remember that west side we was talking about that really didn't have nothing out there? You mean the west side we were talking about? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I said. Okay, the west side. So off in the woods. 
Yeah, so they you know they go off into the woods and do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they're given a compass and a map. Nice. And they're sent out into the woods. They have to find three out of four assigned points, and they're given two hours to do it. Mm. So that's what Junior's doing, along with a whole bunch of other people. Yeah. Three hours later, the soldiers come back into the base, and they are not doing well. I mean, is this summertime? We talking super dehydrated? Yeah, June of 2007. Yeah. Okay. So, more than 24 soldiers receive medical attention from heat-related issues. So, if you're not familiar with Texas, let me tell you a little bit about Texas. People who want to complain because we're cold. In June in Texas, the heat can average between 88 degrees and 99 degrees. That's an average. Mm Mm-hmm. It rarely gets below 88 degrees in between June and September. We're looking at 90s and above easy. Yeah. That, so that's a cooler part of the summer for us if it's 80 degrees. I'm a firm believer that a person's body is adapted to whatever they grew up or lived for a long period of time. Well, I mean, it's just going to be adapted to the environment you're in. But you also have to remember, if somebody spends a lot of time inside, like right. he probably did, right? He sounds like he was doing a lot of courses. He was doing a lot of office Well, he spent a lot stuff. of time outside, I feel like. Maybe so. But. But either way. How much time did he spend outside in Texas? But people don't understand. Texas. <laughs> When okay, Texas heat is different because there's so much humidity. Right, down the here. humidity. Right, and that's why like people down here get so agitated whenever Northerners like talk about, oh, we get six inches of snow easy every year. We don't. Mm-hmm. So we don't constantly have chains on our tires, and we don't have <laughs> heaters going year round. We have air conditioners. And we got sweat dripping off of us constantly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had air the air conditioner on at Christmas. Yep. And up until last week, we had it on here. Yep. Someone that grew up other places that are not accustomed to this type of weather probably has a higher probability of not being able to tolerate it. For long periods of time. Mm-hmm. There are several. Of the soldiers that come back dehydrated. And some. Are likely severely sunburned. Hmm. They're all exposed to the elements. Early in the morning. All the way until noon. When the exercise started. So. They're all outside. All morning. And then the, the exercise didn't even start until noon. Mm-hmm. For the daytime. Also, for people that don't know, sunburns can cause everything from nausea, dizziness, to fever and chills, and dehydration and loss of consciousness. Oh, yeah. But I feel like this is just typical military stuff. I mean, there's nothing fun about basic training. You know what I mean? There's nothing fun about any of it. It's all meant to toughen you up. So I don't know that this is necessarily out of line i'll keep explaining yes they're trying to follow protocols and stay safe it's also their job to complete these types of corporate courses in a realistic atmosphere right you never know where you'll be right right so they're they're not they're not going to baby you out there that's that's the purpose of it right right so all the soldiers come back except junior hmm. A commander had previously gotten a hold of him on a phone and he was he said he was determined to finish the exercise but didn't say he didn't say anything about being in distress or in need of medical attention. There were actually nine other soldiers that had gotten lost in the woods that day. When the time is up, there's a loud siren that sounds off. 
that can be heard throughout the entire course area. area. Right. Yeah. So when the sirens went off, the people that were lost followed the siren back to base. Right. And that's how they got got or got back. Mm-hmm. Except Junior, he never showed up. So a search was sent out. There were more than 3,000 soldiers sent out to search 20,000 acres. Jeez. On June 12th, four days after the training exercise was initiated, Junior's body was found under very thick brush. Oh, wow. So he didn't. This wasn't. This was foul play. To me, (laughs) uh, okay, this next bit of information is just sus, okay? Mm -hmm. First of all, I find it odd that it took four days to find him. I mean, if it's 3,000 people searching 20,000 acres. 3,000 soldiers. Well, that's almost seven acres per person. Yeah. That's a good chunk of land. And that's if you're doing it methodically i mean this is probably chaotic you just kind of you don't even know where to start Twenty thousand acres is a lot of land it is it is a lot i also find it odd that he was found underneath brush and not on top of it right so at this point um his death is unknown right i will say this though if you are overheated there, there's always that chance. Like you said, you get chills. There have been stories of people that have overheated or dehydrated that thought they were cold. Yeah. So they tried to get warm. Right. So it's not unheard of that you might try to cover yourself up to cool or to, to warm up if you felt like you were cold in a delirious state. But Right. No, I get it. Yeah, it's also a really good way to hide somebody. At this point, you know, they have spokespersons coming out to, like, release statements and stuff. And they don't know his cause of death. They don't know exactly what happened yet. Mm -hmm. But this is what the statement says. It's very long, so I'm going to sum it up. They, They say he went missing during a routine training exercise. He was found near plenty of drinking water from creeks and other sources. He left with two canteens full of water, a water backpack, and ready-to-eat meal pack. Wow. And they made a point to mention there are other predators, such as poisonous snakes and mountain lions, on post. Mm. So, my first question. Why are you trying to make it out to be like he had everything he needed? Right. When you don't know what his cause of death is yet. He could have been shot. Right. Why why are you making it a point to be like you know, oh he had all we this did everything water. We could. You you didn't know you don't know what happened to him yet. Right. My second question, are there mountain lions in Colleen? Mountain lions. In Colleen? I mean I've heard of leopards what? in Brazos County. Shut up. It can happen. Like escape from a zoo? anywhere else (laughs) like mountain lions like bobcats absolutely sure but foxes i've i've heard of mountain lions mountain lions in colleen yes there's not mountains in colleen i know then it's not it's not common either (laughs) but i've heard of it and i think i've seen pictures or i've seen pictures that i think had to have been mountain lions so i mean it's not unheard of it's just rare just a person growing up in Texas, right? I would have said predators such as poisonous snakes, absolutely. Wild hogs or coyotes, anything like that, I would not have popped up to say mountain lions. <laughs> That's just me. Yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, who knows what's prevalent there at Fort Hood? I mean, you're talking. That's a lot of acreage that literally. Yeah. I mean, unless they put is... them out there. We, we're going to put mountain lions out there. We have to make it realistic. It's like a giant wildlife reserve. 
anything in there preserved. Anything in there is not going to be hunted. That's true. So. Autopsy would reveal his cause of death as dehydration and hyperthermia. Hmm. An investigation into Junior's death would later determine that the event was caused by various missteps by the Academy's leadership. So they're saying they didn't prepare him well enough? They are saying, so during the exercise, a lot of, they're supposed to be riding around on whatever, you know, carts that they have, you know, whatever, four-wheelers, whatever, probably, checking on people. Gotcha. Because when they do need actual medical assistance, they don't want them to die. So they want to be able to get them back quickly and get them whatever help they need. Allegedly, they were not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And... I mean, didn't... You said he was contacted by phone. So he was. they all had phones out there? I don't know if they had phones or if they had like radios or something like that, but it said in the report that he was contacted by phone. And he said, I'm going to finish this. And he didn't in any way indicate that he was in distress or needed help or anything like that. Odd. I felt like the whole thing is odd. Mm hmm. Especially, especially since this is a routine thing, and on this particular day, there were so many that ended up being hospitalized. Hmm. That and that wasn't common for this. That's exercise. what I was going to say next. Was is it? I mean, how common was it? What not you for ever... this many people is what it said. Yeah. So they would always have a few, but it was never. Yeah, not to this extreme. Hmm. Like I said, there were more than 24 hospitalized. Right. Yeah. And this is this is a let's be honest, this is a decorated. Right. He's no soldier. He's not. This is not his first rodeo. Mm -hmm. And he did two tours in, in Iraq. To get lost in the woods in Texas. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Well, I mean, but anything can happen too. You have to remember when it comes down to to hypothermia, you Well, what they said is basically it comes down to leadership neglect. They weren't following the proper protocols the way that they should have been. Yeah. Basically. And punishment for those leaders include reassignment and letters of reprimand. Oh, that's harsh. Junior's awards and decorations include the Army Achievement Medal, two Army Good Conduct Medals, the National Defense Service Medal, and both the Global War on Terrorism Service Expeditionary Medals. Mm. He was awarded the Army Commendation Medal, and in addition, he was also a combat lifesaver and had twice been awarded the Driver's Badge for his expertise in operating a wide range of Army transportation vehicles. Yeah. He was laid to rest at the Virginia Veterans Cemetery in Virginia. There is a permanent memorial at the location where he died at Fort Hood, and his picture hangs on the wall of honor at the Survivor Outreach Services office in Fort Hood. And nothing else has ever been investigated. I'm well, sure. the, I mean, it was investigated, and the the leaders that were responsible for the the exercise on that day were. They were punished. Right, but... And that was it. I guess, yeah, that's it. That's one of the downsides of this, you know, being the that it's a military installation like that, is that the military is who's going to investigate if the military screws up. Mm -hmm. And there's no outside influence on how that investigation goes. Right. In July of 2009, a man by the name of... Nidal Malik Hassan. Uh-huh. Nidal. Yeah, that's what I said. You said Nidal. Oh, same thing, whatever. Nidal. He was transferred to Darnall Army Medical Center in Fort Hood, Texas. Mm-hmm. So, Nidal was born September 8, 1970 in Arlington, Virginia. 
His parents were Palestinian and immigrated to uh, the U.S. He graduated from William Fleming High School in Virginia in 1988, and he enlisted in the Army that summer. So while he was in the Army, he received an associate's degree in science from Virginia Western Community College in 1992, a bachelor's degree in biochemistry from Virginia Tech in 1995. He was also on academic probation most of the time he was in school. Academic probation. Yeah. Meaning? Like, usually you get put on probation if, like, your grades falter and stuff. Gotcha. Like, the dean's like, whoa, if you don't mm-hmm. step it up, we're just going like, to let you go. Gotcha. He then became an officer in the Army Medical Department in 1997. Um, when he, upon graduating from USUHS, <laughs> I don't know what that is, <laughs> in 2003, he completed his internship and residency in psychiatry at Walter Reed Army Medical Center. U.S. UHS Medical School. Yeah. Is Uniformed Services University of Health. Yeah. What is, what, why does that, it's not all of it. Uniform Services University of the Health Sciences. Yeah. That's it, U.S. UHS. UHS. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. So he completed his psychiatry training with a two-year fellowship in disaster and preventative psychiatry. But basically, he did pretty horribly in school the whole time. Yeah. Is what I'm getting. Yeah. So he's not real smart. He just spent a lot of time. Well, he focused on this medical portion, the psychiatry thing. Mm-hmm. Where he also received counseling. Hmm. And needed extra supervision while completing his psychiatry stuff. What? Yeah. Wow. He eventually started, like, getting flustered on like on numerous occasions towards mu- the muslim faith in the military mm. like he felt like people of the muslim faith should be supported and defended by the us military i mean as is everyone else right right so like his aggression is ba- is mainly geared toward the war in iraq right mhm in May of 2009, he was promoted to major, and then he was sent to Fort Hood in July. He continued to struggle in the military, now stressing about being deployed to Iraq. So, what everybody said was that he was being bullied by fellow soldiers because of his Muslim faith. Mm. However, like, the base spokesperson, you know? Mm-hmm. They, all of their statements say, no, that never happened. Well, what I was thinking is, was he being bullied or was he just getting annoying? Because. It could have been both. You know what I mean? I mean, if you've got a constant person that's constantly bitching about one thing or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody wants to Well, he to was complaining it. because he didn't want to be sent to Iraq because he's. Right. Because of his Muslim faith and he felt like we should have been defending people of the Muslim faith and. Right. And these are probably soldiers who... And that's fine, but why would you join the military? Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, what is it, a 90% chance that's where you're going? Come on. Yeah. I mean, he he joined the military in 97, right? 8. No. 97. 98, yeah. No, 88. 88. What? Yeah. He joined the military in 88? Yeah. What yeah, was in 97? Uh, is when he became uh, an officer in the Army Medical Department. Okay. So, okay, so he joined in 88. So he's a grown adult when mm-hmm. 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. A spokesperson, they were like, no, he was not bullied. He was fine. Mm-hmm. Well... 
they didn't they didn't say it like that. They were like, of course, there's no records that he was being right. bullied, meaning he didn't right. turn anybody in. I mean, they're not going to tell you if they if he was. Right. So. In August of 2009, a fellow soldier actually keyed his car. Mm-hmm. And it cost him like a thousand dollars to fix it. There is record of that. So he was getting bullied. No, no. They say he wasn't. That just happened. <laughs> that just happened. <laughs> it didn't have anything to do with it. Someone, well, someone had actually witnessed it happening, happening and turned them in. Mm. And then when they turned him in, they claimed that it was because he was Muslim. Gotcha. Meantime, his car's getting vandalized, all this stuff's happening, and he he gets scheduled to deploy to Afghanistan in November of 2009. Okay. Okay. So he gets sent to Fort Hood in, in May. His car gets keyed in August, and then he gets scheduled to deploy in November. Mm-hmm. So they weren't having it. They were like, nope, you're going. We don't care. Yeah. So on November 5th, he walked into the, to the Soldier Readiness Center at Fort Hood and shouted, God is great in Arabic. And how do you say that? God is great? No, yeah. How do you say it? I don't know. Something Allah. Allahu Akbar. Come on. You've heard it a bajillion times. I Everywhere. It's fine. I mean, watch any video over there, and that's nope. that's all they say. He walked in, shouted it in Arabic, and <laughs> opened fire on armed forces. Mm. Armed forces. Well, and that's the thing, right? Is it's in an, it's in an army base that ne- wasn't necessarily armed. Yeah. Like those, be- I don't think they were allowed to be armed in that area, were they? I want to say they weren't. I don't know. I don't know what the I mean, law is inside the gates. They have their own set of rules. Right, but what I'm saying is, it's just crazy to me that there isn't that you're on an army base and you're in an area that you're not allowed to be armed. It's like you would think the dumbest place to attack would be an army base, but in reality, it's just like everywhere else. These people, none of them had guns except for the guy doing the shooting. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's army police running around with guns, but that's just nuts. I don't know. Well, let's talk about what he had. Yep. So Nadal was carrying an FN 5.7 handgun that he fitted with two laser sights, one red and one green. That's dumb. That's really dumb. What's the point of that? I don't know. And an older model Smith and Wesson, three fifty seven Magnum revolver, which mm-hmm. he did not use. I I would not use it either if I had a five seven in my hand. He just took it as backup. He like just in case. So to be clear, let's let's expand on the FN five seven real quick. You go for it, because I don't okay. I don't this know is a, about it. An FN five. I'm about to tell you. You're about to learn. You're about to learn today. Okay. Great. That's, and, that's what I woke up and I was like, you know what? What can Joe teach me today? So, so FN Herstal makes the FN 5.7 pistol, which fires the same round as the FN Herstal P90, which is a submachine gun. These are made in Austria, I believe. No, I'm wrong. It's not Austria. Damn it. Belgium. It's Belgian. So these were made for the Belgian military and I believe the police as well. That way they could have the same round for both the submachine gun and the pistol. The submachine gun round is ridiculous. It's a it's a crazy round. So they fitted it for a pistol, and now this pistol holds twenty rounds. It's super lightweight because it's primarily polymer. The whole thing is polymer. And it holds twenty rounds. And it kicks like a twenty-two. So if you're familiar with guns, 22s don't kick, right? It's just barely. So for the this round being super hot, doing a lot of damage and no kick, you can put all 20 rounds exactly where you want them, as fast as you want them, and it's super dangerous. 
So it's a it's a nasty little pistol. Okay, so the Smith and Weston is null and void. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's a big it's a big hand cannon, but you've got six rounds, maybe seven, as opposed to this thing's got twenty, and then you just slap another magazine in and you got twenty more. And it like I said, it doesn't kick at all. So you're it's that's a scary pistol. It's it's a lot. Yeah. Well, so continue on. I mean, it's okay. what I'd choose if I was going to be if I was going to get into a fight. That's the one I'd want for sure. Well, that's the one he chose. I don't blame him at all. And he opened fire. And so here are. OK, these are, I'm going to list off the the ones he killed. So, OK, uh, Michael Grant Cahill Cahill. He was Cahill. 62, Cahill, 62 of Cameron, a civilian physician's assistant, killed while trying to subdue the shooter. Captain John P. Gaffney, 56 of California, also shot while charging the shooter. Specialist Frederick Green, 29 of Tennessee, shot while trying to get him. Major Lobardo Caravio, Caravio of Virginia. Staff Sergeant Justin DeCrow, 32, of Indiana. He was shot in the chest. Mm. Specialist Jason Hunt, 22, of Oklahoma, shot in the back. Staff Sergeant Amy Kruger, 29, of Washington, was shot in the chest. Private First Class Aaron Nemelka, 19, of Utah, was shot in the chest. And Private First Class Michael Pearson, 22, Illinois, shot in the chest. Captain Russell Seeger, 51, of Washington. Private First Class Francesca Velez, 21, of Illinois, shot in the chest. She was also pregnant when she died. And her unborn baby died as well. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Juanita Warman, 55, of Pennsylvania, was shot in the abdomen. Private First Class Com Ixiong. 23 of Minnesota was shot in the head. I didn't... And those These were all the people he killed? Those were dead, yes. Man, I did not realize he killed that many people. It makes sense. It makes sense. But wow. There And then there's even more that were wounded. Mm. So there... You can look at the list of names. It's on... Like You can just Google Fort Hood shooting. And this is what comes up. Mm. So he killed 13 people and wounded over 30 others. Yeah. In the worst shooting against armed forces on an American military base in history. And I didn't, I didn't mention this either, but just to put it into context even more, that pistol, the round that that pistol fires will go through light armor. So oh, yeah. take that into account when you're thinking about, this pistol holding 20 rounds, no kick, and it'll go through armor. It's, I mean, it, it, it doesn't surprise me that he killed that many people. It's yeah, sad. I didn't realize that uh, it went down like that. Yeah. So he survived. Yep. Well, that's, and that goes back to that. Nobody was armed. I mean, he walked into a military base and was confronted with nobody armed, killed a bunch of people, set his pistol down, and gave up. That's insane. Yeah. How's that a possibility? So, uh, he I mean, he was eventually apprehended, and he was shot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he did survive and was paralyzed from the waist down. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Um, he was charged with 13 counts of murder and 32 counts of attempted murder. Man. So the prosecution decided to seek the death penalty. Obviously, that's what we do in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was convicted of all charges by a jury of nine colonels, three lieutenant colonels, and one major. Yeah. And he was sentenced to execution. He is currently being held at Fort Leavenworth in Kansas. He's stripped of his rank and dishonorably discharged. And how many years has he been on death row, basically? 
So this happened in 2009. Yeah. And we are in 2022. Yeah. So that brings us to Nasser Jason Abdu. Abdo. Mm-hmm. He was born April 1st, 1990 in Garland, Texas. His mom was American and his father was Palestinian. He lived with his father and grew up in Texas and began practicing Islam in his teen years. After graduating from high school, he attended the American University in Dubai. After his father was convicted of soliciting a minor over the internet in 2006, uh, he served three years in prison and was then deported to Jordan. Wait, what? Okay, so his father was convicted of soliciting a minor over the internet. Right. Okay, and he served three years in prison, and then he got deported back to Jordan. But this was his dad. Yeah, and that left him here in Texas. Yeah. So, he joined the army in March of 2009. I mean, you would think the background check would come up that, oh, his dad got deported. By the American government. But he's an American citizen. Yeah, but... So it doesn't would... matter. That's the point. There's got to be some red flags popping up. Like, hey, he may not be super happy with us. I don't know. I guess they can't really... Maybe he doesn't take after his father. Maybe he took after his mother. He didn't live with his mother, but... The fact that we're talking about him right now... Well, so... <laughs> Uh, he joined the army in March of 2009. In 2010, right. he was supposed to deploy to Afghanistan, but objected due to a conflict with his Muslim beliefs. Mm. It was approved, but then put on hold. Wait now. His... So his objection was approved? Right. But then put on hold, meaning... Yep. So they were going to go ahead and send him anyway? Well, everything got put on hold because they were processing his discharge and found child pornography on his government-issued computer. Okay, time out. So okay. he was being discharged. Yes. So they said, okay, you don't have to be deployed. In fact, we're going to discharge you. Right. That's odd. Isn't it? I mean, unless this is like dishonorable discharge, like, oh, you refused to go, therefore... I mean, it could have been. Yeah. Okay. So then they went through his computer and they found child porn. Right. On his government-issued computer. Ah. On July 4th, 2011, after being charged, he goes AWOL. Hmm. So, for people that don't know, AWOL is absent without official leave. Mm-hmm. Meaning he goes... He disappears from the army. They can't right. find him. He goes on the run. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, I want to say a friend of mine that was in the military said that when you go AWOL, like if if you if you just leave, you're not doing anything bad, you just leave, you have to serve time for however long you were missing. Mm. I don't Makes know sense. if that's true. I'm I'm sure it is at a minimum, but, right? It's yeah. I mean you're gonna get in trouble and you're gonna go to military jail yeah you know i'm sure it's going to be up to a judge as to how long you have to spend there yeah sorry so he goes awol then he reappears on july 27th when you say reappears yep staff at a gun store in colleen notified the police department that a man had just purchased an unusually large amount of smokeless gunpowder three boxes of shotgun ammo and a magazine for a pistol. That's weird. They report that? I guess huh? so. I mean, that's yeah. weird. A gun store selling you some powder and a magazine and three boxes of shells does not seem crazy. Let me tell you about the gun store. Okay. The gun store is Guns Galore off of 195 in Colleen. It's mm-hmm. still there to this day. Mm-hmm. Funny story, it's the same gun store that Nadal bought his pistol. Wow. I'm sure they probably report everything. Yeah, at this point. 
So the police department were able to trace the guy back to the best value inn. And that's where they find Nasser Abdu. I don't know. It was determined that he was trying to create a bomb to kill service members, and he was planning to use the gun to shoot the survivors after the bomb went off. Mm. Wow. He was given two life sentences for attempting to use a weapon for mass destruction mm -hmm. and for possession of a weapon in furtherance of a federal crime. Yeah, yep. He is being held at the United States Penitentiary Administrative Maximum Facility in Colorado. So just two life sentences. Yeah. Hmm. Well, he didn't do it. Well, right, but yeah. still. I mean, that's pretty... That and the child porn thing, you might as well just go ahead and off the guy. All right. In February of 2014, Fort Hood received another soldier by the name of Ivan Lopez. Mm -hmm. I appreciate your name being easy, Ivan. <laughs> it's actually Yvonne. Stop it. <laughs> Is it? Uh -oh. No, it's Ivan. Ivan was born October 23rd, 1979 in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. He had enlisted in the Puerto Rico National Guard in January of 1999, but was discharged the same year because he couldn't pass the English language course. Mm -hmm. He ended up enlisting in the Army in 2003. Mm -hmm. He was sent to Egypt for a little while in 2007. Then, in 2011, he did a tour in Iraq. Yeah. That brings us to 2014 when he was assigned to Fort Hood. Fort Hood. <laughs> by the time, uh, by the time he had been sent to Texas, he was suffering from PTSD and having financial issues. Hmm. Then his grandfather and his mom passed away within like two months of each other. He'd put in for leave so he could go home for his mom's funeral, and was only granted like two days to go to Puerto Rico. Wow. For her funeral. When he got back, he put in another request for leave so he could help his family relocate to Colleen. And denied. He was given four days leave from March 27th to 30th in 2014. Hmm. On April 2nd, he went to the admin office to request a 10-day leave so he could attend to family matters. And that request was denied. Yeah. So Ivan gets mad and starts shooting with a forty-five caliber pistol. Mm. He leaves the admin office and drives to another building and starts shooting again. Then he leaves that building and drives around the base to another location and starts shooting. Then he goes to the medical building and shoots some more. Eventually he ends up in the parking lot of building 39002 where he starts arguing with the soldier when he takes out his pistol. When the soldier sees Ivan's pistol, he takes out his gun and takes a shot at Ivan, missing him. Oh. That's when Ivan takes his pistol, points it at his own head, and fires a shot through Ooh. the right side. Jeez. There were four deaths that day. Sergeant First Class Daniel Ferguson, Sergeant Timothy Owens, uh, Staff Sergeant Carlos Rodriguez, and Ivan. Wow. There were 14 people injured. Did they expand on his financial problems? Because he must have had some real issues. I mean, I guess you said PTSD. Yeah. I mean, he was having, I mean, he was having some financial issues, but um, I think he had some kids by some different women. Yeah. And just stuff just kind of all piled on at once. Um, investigators found out that one month prior to the shooting, Ivan had purchased the 45 caliber pistol, pistol used in the shooting in Colleen at Guns Galore. Get out of here. Mm -hmm. uh, the following year, in 2015, Sergeant First Class Gregory McQueen ended up in the news. Gregory had served as battalion representative on a task force to prevent sexual harassment at Fort Hood. Hmm. 
After an investigation into some sus activity reported by female soldiers, it was determined he was running a prostitution ring. Oh, wow. He was basically pimping out female soldiers to ranked soldiers in exchange for money. Wow. And that was a task force? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, Gregory pled guilty to four specification of attempt to pander. Well, well, four. Oh, so four attempts to pander. Right. Okay, go ahead. Three specifications of conspiracy to patronize or solicit a prostitute. Three specifications of failure to obey a lawful order or direction of duty. Two specifications of cruelty and maltreatment. Two specifications of adultery or pandering and prostitution. And one specification of assault uh, consummated by battery. Hmm. As part of his plea deal, he was demoted to private. Sentenced to 24 months in prison, was stripped of his retirement pay, and received a dishonorable discharge. Mm. What's really crazy is that a couple years later, Gregory and his wife ended up foster parents. What? Yeah, because someone failed to submit his record to the FBI database that the, that the foster system uses to do background checks. Wow. That person should be in prison. The foster system did they they did eventually find out yeah. like three months later and they were removed. Mm. So that brings us to twenty twenty. Yep. Now, like I said, there's a whole lot of other little things that happened from the last twenty fifteen to twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. But there's so much that happens in 2020, like, we have to skip through everything else. <laughs> but we're going to talk about that on the next episode. Oh, yeah. Next episode. <laughs>